I'll go down afterwards.
first, Lord. I pray that we would be a people who seek you first, who want to know you more, that we strive to be that close to you, that we're never satisfied. Hallelujah. We want more, Lord.
Hey! 
There's someone in here who keeps trying to put their shoes on before they put on their socks. And he's just saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven and then everything else is going to line up. Your life is going to get in order when you do things the right way. So if there is something, if there's something that you are putting before the Lord, before the kingdom, I just encourage you to take off those shoes, to lay down whatever you are putting before him. Your life is gonna be a lot more comfortable. You're gonna be able to walk a lot farther. You're gonna be able to run a lot faster. So we're gonna sing that bridge again. And I just think about things that you need to put in its place. It goes Jesus first, then everything else. Jesus is first. And then everything else, all will be added. These are all of his promises are yes and amen. And this song is so good because it says the things that we can count as his promises. The poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The ones who mourn, they're going to be comforted. The meek will inherit the earth. Those are promises. All of his promises are yes and amen for everyone. That doesn't mean that I'm going to have promises you don't have. Chamberlain's not going to have promises you don't have. Pastor Kylan doesn't have promises you don't have. Because it's a free gift. It's nothing that we earn. It is free for you. Put on your socks first. Hallelujah.
so glad to have you here with us. If you're new, there is a get to know you card right in front of you, and we would love for you to fill that out so we can get to know you a little better. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. All right, everybody, it's good to see you tonight. We're going to prepare our tithe and offerings, so if you do have something to give tonight, you can get that ready. Um, if you need an offering envelope, then the chair in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. And uh, we appreciate your giving and your faithfulness to the church, and certainly we believe um, so much in who God is and what he does for us in our worship and our giving is a response to that. Amen? Amen. 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 Everybody awake tonight? Okay, good. I'm, I'm praying over it, so if you have something to give, when I'm done praying, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you be able to come to your house and just spend some time together as a family of faith, but also in that, Lord, that you have brought us together and our worship uh, is, is in unity to you. And, and Lord, we just pray as we give tonight that your blessings upon us and, and we know that you're always in front of us with provision and we stand in that and we, we, we appreciate that. We're thankful for that, that you are faithful and loving God to us. Lord, as we give tonight, I just pray it's, it's another step of a life of faith with you. And we thank you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. <clears throat> amen. Bring it on down. Excuse my scratchy voice tonight. I'm hoping to 
be over whatever this problem is by Sunday. I'm done with it. So say a prayer for me. Um, some quick announcements. Uh, don't forget, uh, we got on March the 27th is a youth, which is 5th to 12th grade roller skating uh, event happening. Please see Josh with details for that. Also, uh, that same day, Joy Fellowship is happening right here at 5 o'clock. Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around. They're, they know all about the details right there. So uh, see them about Joy Fellowship. That's a great time together. Uh, the first Wednesday of April, we have Chris D'Amico with us. It's going to be a great time of ministry. Um, now, let me tell you something. Sometimes, historically, in churches, when there is an announcement of the guest speaker, people take the night off or the day off. I would encourage you not to do so. Listen, I bring people in so you just don't always hear me. It's not good for you just to hear me. You have to have other voices coming from the pulpit. So people we bring in are people we trust. So when we bring somebody in, I'm bringing it in for your benefit, right? Because I want you to hear somebody besides me. And Chris is different than me. And he's, and he's uh, strong in the word, but he's very strong in his ministry. And I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to say he will probably minister to everybody that's that comes at night, so it's going to be a longer Wednesday than you're used to, but it'll be well worth your time. So that's the first Wednesday of April, so don't miss that. And of course, we have Good Friday coming, uh, April the 15th, and then Easter Sunday on April the 17th. And I know uh, on Easter Sunday, uh, they're going to prepare a little bit of a, a light breakfast for you if you want to come. That starts, I think, at 9.15 or something. So if that wasn't the time, it is now, and they'll be ready at 9.15. So, um, come out for that. But Good Friday is a little bit different this year. Instead of having a service, we're having what we call a time of reflection. The church will be open from 6 to 8, and there'll be different, we call them stations, that represent different parts of the crucifixion of Jesus. And there'll be time for you and your family to come in and take a time at each station as long as you want, and, and uh, whatever the reflection is for that station, spend some time. And when you're done with the stations, there'll be some worship. You can stay and worship for a while. So it's on your timing, how, when you want to come. You don't have to come at 6. You can come at 6.30, you know, 7 o'clock, whatever. But it's from open from 6 to 8. So we encourage you to come, and, and, and it'll be a, a wonderful time of reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus and what it means for us. And we come on Easter Sunday, and we celebrate the resurrection together. And that certainly is a day of, day of celebration. So... I think that's all I want to say after that. Oh, Saturday, we have a nursing home event, uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, see Vinny for details about that. And, and the nursing home outreach, Sunshine, is, is a wonderful outreach. So if you're a part of that or if you've never been a part of it, <clears throat> please jump on board to see Vinny uh, for details about that. All right, having said that, get your Bibles out. Go to the book of Isaiah and chapter number 65 <clears throat> and verse number 17. Um, we're going to close out tonight. I think it's like our, our sixth week, maybe our seventh week. I'm not sure. Uh, we've been talking about the book of Revelation. Now, what I guarantee is it's probably a little bit different than if you've heard series on the book of Revelation before. It's probably a little bit different than what you've heard before. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the foretelling of the book of Revelation and what that means for us today. Um, tonight is back into a little bit of foretelling, things that we know will happen uh, in the future. And the book of Revelation means something to us, even if we are not in the last of the last days. 
it carries something for us, and we can learn from it, and that's what we've been talking about uh, so far in this series. Um, tonight's uh, a topic from the book of Revelation is one of the big picture themes of the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and what I, I don't know when it was, it, probably 20 years ago or something, some things really started to dawn on me about the future. Because you often hear when you go to church in an altar call, if you would like to give your heart to Jesus, so when you die, you can go to heaven, come down front so we can pray for you. How many ever heard something like that? Okay. Or you see, you see these uh, billboards and, and different things like this say, if you died today, do you know where you would go? How many ever seen things like that? Okay, in, in essence, those are true, but that's an incomplete picture of the future. Because what happens when you die is just a step. It is not the end. Okay? And when you start to see really what happens at the end, which is not the end, but it's eternity, it actually sheds light on so much other things in the Scripture. So we know that, that God created. In the beginning, God created, right? Man mars it in sin, Genesis chapter 3. So, so it begins... At the moment of Genesis chapter 3, and, and right in there, we, we have uh, uh, the seed of the woman that, that, that will crush the head of the serpent, right? We begin the story of reclaiming God's creation. So, so from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation 22 at the end is the ongoing story of God reclaiming the creation that was lost in sin. That is a giant big picture of the Bible, okay? And you, your soul or your spirit, wow, that was like a junior high puberty moment right there. Wow. Anyways, <clears throat> I was just transported back to seventh grade right there. Anyways, <clears throat> excuse me. Hopefully there's no more of that tonight. <laughs> your, your soul going to heaven when you die now is not the end of the story. And I think sometimes we miss that. Again, you are not going to be a disembodied spirit floating around in the heavenly somewhere in, in, in this constant, never-ending worship service. Or, different, just floating around, you, you see like the Cupid sitting on the cloud strumming a harp or something, and that's your eternity. No. As we talked about last week, there is going to be a resurrection of our physical body. That's two weeks ago. Then what happens in the resurrection of the physical body is everybody will be what? Judged. And we will be judged for what we have done. So God reclaiming his creation is this big story that ends up with new creation. Not disembodied spirits floating around out there in the cosmos somewhere but a literal recreation of what God had made was marred in sin and enters this big story of him getting back to the place where he absolutely reclaims it in finality. That is eternity. Eternity is a new resurrected body. Jesus rose from the dead, right? The prototype for those who are in him as we will be changed at his coming. So the call of Abram was a starting of this God reclaiming a people for himself. 
And there was not in any sense a finality. Obviously, old covenant comes into new covenant, but even the new covenant is leading towards something. That's the big picture of what we're getting at tonight. So the prophet Isaiah, and we, we actually were in this scripture <clears throat> a little while ago when we were talking about prophetic imagination. Let's go back here. Isaiah 65, verse number 17. Let's see what the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he says so much, so much in foretelling in his time, but he calls for so much in foretelling of the future. And this is one of those things. Chapter 65, verse number 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Now, notice that. As a matter of fact, it will be in such a way that what was before, you won't even see it the way you saw it. You'll have new perspective. Okay? But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. Remember, God is always putting new life in front of you. You have a choice to walk into new life that God is always putting in front of you. The creator never stops creating. It's part of his nature. It's who he is. He's always creating. He made it in the beginning. We messed it up. But then instead of just kicking it off and not caring about it and doing something else, he said, I'm going to recreate that which was lost. And there's a story starts. Abram and, and Israel, Jesus, and everything that happens with the cross and the resurrection recreating. Salvation is, is recreation, new creation. Amen? The creator is always creating. He's always putting life in front of you. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. Watch this. Prophetically here. No more shall be heard in it, the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed and they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of, the, of a tree shall be the days of my people be, and my chosen shall enjoy the work of their hands. <clears throat> they shall not labor in vain or, or bear children in, for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now watch this. And again, this is the, the, the turning upside down of, of the way we are. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain, says the Lord. You see how things are being reshaped and remade and reformed into something new. Now, that's a very incomplete picture. 
But Isaiah is seeing in a glimpse, in the midst of things he's seen from God and he's prophesied, he's seeing a distant future where God the creator will continue to recreate and reclaim and reshape and reform and reorder. For the way things are in this world because of sin, God will fix it and make it right. That's the completed work of God. So Jesus is the one who is doing this. Isaiah obviously was one of the great prophets. He prophesied about the coming of Jesus, and the virgin shall be with child, Isaiah chapter 7. Jesus is the fulfillment of this work. John chapter 15. We're going to get to Revelation in a minute, but John chapter 15. Everybody head there. And we're going to go to one of the resurrection accounts of Jesus. Now, remember, and this was the challenge when we talked about that chapter in Isaiah a while ago on a Sunday morning. We are people who live prophetically. Are we not? We not only see what God has done and is doing now, amen, but we are constantly looking towards what he is doing and will do, and we live in that. So, here's an example. Um, How many of you have ever prayed that God would bless you financially for some reason? You were in a tough time or something happened. How many ever prayed? Okay, yeah. Is Is that a wrong prayer? No. Do we believe God is a good and faithful God and will do such things? But you realize when you pray that, you're praying a prophetic picture of the kingdom of come because in the kingdom of come, there will be no poverty or lack. You see what I'm saying? Every time you pray a prayer that you're trying to change your circumstance on the goodness of God and who God is, you are drawing on the future picture of a kingdom to come. It hasn't come in its finality, but the kingdom has come. Jesus inaugurated it in his ministry and the work that he did. Then then certainly the death on the cross brought all things to finality. Then his resurrection put a stamp on it. God backed up what he taught and did. Okay? But every time we pray a prayer like that, we're drawing on things to come. We see it in ebbs and flows. We We see it in awful ways in an imperfect way. It's sort of now and not yet picture. But certainly we believe in a kingdom that will come like that, even to the point that the lion and the lamb will lay down together and the lamb will survive. That is a reordering of things in such a way that we live presently as much as we can peaceably with others in the picture of the kingdom. That's what it's called to live the resurrected life. So I think we were saying this Sunday or or recently anyways. How much you believe in the life to come, a lot dictates how much you're willing to live life in his way right now. Because living the kingdom way is not the same way as living as the lost world does. It is living a new way. And the thing is, living the Jesus way in a new way, you're living according to a kingdom that hasn't come in finality yet. So it will rub with the world a bit. It will be different. You won't act the same and respond the same and treat people the same way that you did. 
You'll do crazy things like tithe or go to church, worship. You'll do things that are, that's a way of faith because you believe. It's calling you out of the world even though you're still in the world. It's changing you to be a light of the world that we're still in because we want to see the kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven, waiting for the finality of the kingdom to actually come. So if all you think about is <clears throat> come forward, give your heart to Jesus so you can go to heaven when you die, you'll be thinking, I just want to get out of here. I want to go to heaven. Do you realize when Jesus comes back, heaven's coming this way? Amen. See what I mean? You, you're ultimately not getting out of here. <laughs> he's bringing it back. He's going to make all things new. But in the finality of the kingdom. But as Christians, we are not allowed excuse not to live according to the kingdom, even though the kingdom hasn't come in its finality yet. I mean, you know what I'm saying. That's kingdom living. So John chapter 15. Excuse me, verse number, oh boy, verse number 11. I'm sorry, that's not right. It's John chapter 20 and verse number 11. That's why I was in the wrong spot there. That's a good verse, though. We'll come back there sometime. All right, John chapter 20, verse number 11. Resurrection story. After Jesus rose from the dead, we find Mary at the tomb. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept and stooped down to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she supposed him to be the gardener. And it, Jesus, the tomb was in a garden setting. And she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me, uh, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she stirred, turned to him and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Why would John bring up this whole gardener thing? See, John, John is, he, he, he's, very, he's a very good writer in his inspiration. John is always drawing on themes from other places of the Old Testament scripture that he knows. So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. John is drawing back on Genesis 1, in the beginning God created. He's always drawing back. God, in the resurrection of Jesus, we see new creation, feet on the ground, body in Jesus. It is the first sign of the fullness of the kingdom coming. Okay? In thinking that Jesus was the gardener, John has drawn us back to the Garden of Eden. 
where God creates a garden, puts Adam and Eve there in order for them to inhabit the garden and have relationship with them, proper, right relationship. In essence, Mary Magdalene, though she was wrong, it wasn't the garden, she was right because it is the creator God that is bringing new creation back into this world as God intended it to be in first creation. Drawing back on big picture theme. G.K. Chesterton, he's a theologian, uh, wrote this, and I, I really like this, I've used this before, but let me read to you what he wrote. On the third day, the friends of Jesus coming at daybreak to the place found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In varying ways, they realized the new wonder, but even they hardly realized that the world had died in the night, and what they were looking at was the first day of new creation with a new heaven and a new earth. And in a semblance of the gardener, God walked in the garden again, not in the cool of the evening, but in the dawn. See, God used to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve in relationship, and now the gardener has shown back up for his people to reclaim them and be in right relationship with them. This is what God is taking us to. Notice, it's not, hey, disembodied spirit, let's hang out a little bit. It is physical interaction with live, physical people. This is what we're headed towards. That God is reclaiming all things for himself. Why? Because he's faithful. When John 3.16 says, for God so loved the what? He was talking about the people that inhabit the world, but... Don't dismiss that he also loved the creation that he made. God is purposeful. <clears throat> so you realize you have the earth. How many know the earth is tilted? You realize if you knock that tilt off a little bit, it wrecks everything. We are toast. Just, just a little bit, right? Is that true? God, the creation he made set it up for who? We're messing it up, but he's come to recreate it in such a way now that there will be an eternity of new body on physical planet Earth, new heavens and Earth joined back together. And all sin, now, judgment, all sin, all evil, all things that go against that will be rooted out, rooted out in finality, so new creation will stay to be as he intends. So Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 1. Revelation 21. Let's get back to the end of the book we've been in for a while. And here we're going to start echoing what we saw in Isaiah 65. So this is after, after resurrected bodies. This is after final judgment. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. What, what, what is that about? Remember, remember the beast? Where did the first beast come out of? The sea. This is very symbolic that evil is being ridden from the earth. Okay? And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
Now, this is, this is so important. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. See, until Jesus was born, God's spirit, in essence, dwelled with man. And, and they, remember, they, they built a temple, right? And in the most holy place would be the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant would be where the spirit of God would reside. Right? It was at one location. Now, his spirit would rest on certain individuals like Moses or Samson or other people of the Old Testament. It was not a universal settling. Jesus comes, uh, he ascends, sends the Holy Spirit, then we have Pentecost. Pentecost is symbolic of the spirit being available for all the world, for anybody who would believe, right? We take the gospel to all nations. But even in that, that's not the finality. Because what is going to happen is, in the new heaven and new earth, God will dwell with man. In the fullness of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Is Jesus on the earth right now? No. Physically, he's not. I mean, I, I would love to have invite him to speak next week. <laughs> Come on out. Jesus himself is coming. Check your heart before you come in the door, all right? No, he, he wouldn't be that way. Come as you are, right? But the Spirit is here. So is God here? Yes, in the Spirit, right? But at this time, is the full embodiment of Father, Son, Holy Spirit will dwell with man. Uh, let's see. Let's pick up. Let's just start over in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. What is the final thing that God conquers? Death. What, what is the wage of sin? death. What is eternal separation from God? The second death. We read that in judgment. At that point, what sin had wrought in this world was ultimately the physical death of a person. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you are a person of faith? How many of you have been saved? How many of you have a new creation? How many, if, if Jesus tarries long enough, you're going to die? You're not in the finality of your faith yet. You're not, in the essence of how Paul puts it, you're not fully saved. You're saved, but you're going to be saved. And you're going to be saved in the fullness of salvation when death is no more. No more funerals. Won't that be nice? No, no more sickness. Won't, won't that be nice? Amen. No, no more cracking my voice sounding like a seventh grader anymore. Amen. No, no COVID. Amen. No cancer. Amen. No, no, no hangnails. Amen. All of these things, the old order of way will be entirely passed away. Neither thou sh 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 there shall be no mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. Again, for the former things have passed away. 
And he was seated on the throne, said, Behold, watch this again, big picture right here. Behold, I am making all things new. That is what we miss when we say, hey, come to the altar, get saved so you go to heaven when you die. You leave that out. He's going to make all things new. He's going to make your body new. He's going to make this world new. Everything is going to be made new. And all the things that troubled this world will be gone. No more war. If there is such a thing as a newscast, it'll all be nice stuff. There will be highlights of people's day, good things that are happening, whatever it is. All of the things that we find negative about this world will be no more because he is going to finish the work. And he also said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. Now, it is done. You see, you hear that? It's done. This is not a question. This is absolute, positive, prophetic foretelling. This is going to happen. Bank on it. Put your faith in it. Put your hope in it. He is going to make all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage. Again, remember, big picture theme of the book of Revelation, to him who conquers. You conquer, this is your heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. How you live matters. I'm saved by faith, not by works, but yet how I live matters. This is our reward. And so when we say things like, Jesus is going to finish the work, that's what we're talking about. When we say, Jesus is going to fix this mess, that's what we're talking about. When we say, Jesus is making all things new, that's the end. That's what's coming. See, I want you to believe in this so much that it changes how you think because I want you to believe in that so much that whatever you're facing today, you're going to make it. He's making all things new. See, 1 Corinthians 15, the great, great chapter that, that Paul writes on the resurrection of the dead, he ends it by saying, in other words, to, you don't understand this, so that you know that your labor is not in vain. That all the things you're striving for and all the things you believe for, all the things you give to God and you trust, what you do is not in vain. The things you struggle for in faith that don't seem like they're, they're happening right now, don't worry, it's not in vain. The things you don't understand but you still live the Jesus way anyway, don't worry, it's not in vain. He's going to finish the work. And it is a sure reward with him. When, so we worship God and we sense his presence. 
that that is not going to be like when he's inhabiting the earth with his people and heaven and earth are back together again. You know that. You see, you see what I'm saying? Because it's, it's almost like this, and I'm, and I'm going to say something. I'm not, I haven't worked this out in my mind, so don't take this further than what I'm saying. When you're physically seeing God, you don't have to have holding on stuff in faith because he's right there. You don't have to believe in things you're not seeing, hoping for things you're not sure for, because it is there. It's with you. It's, it's, it's tangible as it can be. It's as tangible as me standing here with this crackly voice. God is there. And you'll be with him and dwell with him. And whatever life is structured right, however it is that we live, and we will live with him in eternity, and all the negative, all the things that bring death will be gone. Amen. So, so is, is this life of faith worth it? What if I'm persecuted for what I believe? Is it worth it? Well, what if there's things that I have to conquer in here? Is it worth it? Yeah. Is, is it worth it to follow Jesus even when I don't always understand? Yeah. Is it, is it worth it to strengthen myself in prayer and the word and when I'm pressed to, to fast? Is it worth it to do those things to, to connect with him and remain strong so I can overcome? Is it worth it? Yes. Why? Because as Paul writes, we are striving, pressing on. Why? Heavenward, our prize is in him. And, and we're not in this. We're not in this necessarily for the reward itself, per se, as, as in we're in it for him. And because it goes on to say in Revelation 21, when New Jerusalem comes down, there will be no physical temple anymore. The temple itself will be God and the Lamb. In other words, the place of our attraction, the place of our worship, the place of our desire will be them themselves. You see? So much that they won't even need light. The, the, the light that comes from their presence will be the light that we need. Okay? And I, I think... <clears throat> Wherever your imagination goes with how things will be in new heaven, new earth, whatever, it's okay. Let your imagination think about it. But just know that that is what we're headed for. That I believe that God is going to finish what he started in his resurrection. See, the moment Adam and Eve sinned, this, this plan started rolling. Okay? All through the story and the history of Israel, all the Old Testament things that you can read, and then Jesus comes and even claims himself he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He brings a fulfillment to the vocation of Israel. He's the fulfillment of, of through Abram, all nations will be blessed in the world. That's Jesus. Then Jesus inaugurates the kingdom with his teaching and his ministry, and he's showing signs of the kingdom and his healings and the miracles and all these different things. And then he's crucified. And the enemy thought he had won, but then it, it, it was Friday. You ever hear Tony Campolo say, it was Friday, but look, Sunday's coming. You ever hear that? And Sunday came, and, and, and the resurrected Jesus, the prototype of our future resurrection, comes out of the tomb, and now physical new creations on the earth, and a new day has dawned. And now for the last... 
last 2,000 years, the kingdom, the yeast has been working through the dough. Patiently. Waiting for the time of all these things to, to, to come through ahead and, and transpire in the return of Jesus and resurrection and judgment and all these different things. But right now, the yeast is working through the dough. It's working through your life. It's working <clears throat> around you. Amen? And we are in this thing with him, bringing, again, we're part of the bringing of new creation to this world. You know that? Every time you share the gospel, you're offering new creation. Every time you help somebody in need, you're offering new creation. You know that? Remember Sunday, let your light shine. Then let me see your good deeds and in turn praise your Father in heaven. Amen. And we keep doing the things of the kingdom, seeking him first, allowing him to add all these things unto us, but seek him first. So when all these things happen, he does return. We're prepared. Our, lamp, our, our lamps are trimmed and ready. Amen? And then by seeking him first, then, then he would literally, ultimately, in finality, add all these things unto us. Amen? This is eternity come. This is our hope. So, here's the deal. <clears throat> Don't give up. Keep striving. Stand firm. Keep in step with the Spirit. Listen to his voice and his leading. Obey him. Amen. Do what you should do with his help and his empowerment. Store up treasure. Store up treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven is part of the reward and the finality of kingdom to come. It's, it's storing it there. For what? For later. For kingdom come. Store up treasure in heaven. That can't be stolen. It can't be taken. Can't lose it. It's on record. God can't be stolen from. Ain't, ain't no moth going to get up there and eat it up. He won't let that happen. Ain't no rust up there. We're working in step with the Spirit, waiting and praying, come, Lord Jesus. So when he does, the reward comes with him. Amen? Do you believe? So every time you get into the scripture, in the background of everything the Bible's saying is that finality. And when you can see that overarching theme, you see, you see it, the, the exodus coming out of slavery to properly worship God. That, that's symbolic of kingdom come. There, there's so many ways, types, and foreshadows of, of kingdom come. It's so important to understanding the Bible. When you read the scripture, always see that in the, in the background. It should, it should always be lurking there. Because this is our strive, for there is our reward. Amen? Okay. All right. I'm done with the book of Revelation for now. We'll move on to something else next week. So I hope you learned something. <clears throat> if there's questions about the book of Revelation that I did not touch, I'll hang around for a couple minutes afterwards. So if you want to come down and ask those questions, I'll, I'll talk with you about it. But other than that, um, <clears throat> we believe, Lord. Let's just pray. We believe. We pray that you come to finally save us. But, Lord, while we are waiting, I pray kingdom is coming through us. 
that were part of the work of the kingdom in this world. That we will live in such a way that as a witness to the gospel of who you are and the work that you will do in saving, but also witness to the life that is to come. Lord, help us do that. Do lead us, do guide us. And I pray in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that each one of us here tonight, we will stand among those that has been written to him who conquers, to him who overcomes. Come, Lord Jesus. We long for that presence in such a way, so undeniable. We long for it. But until then, I pray we live in your presence now. Lord, every, every waking moment in your presence, every day living in step with the Spirit, living in trust, every day being transformed now, every day new creation being worked through our life, every day. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, be blessed. We'll see you Sunday morning. If you've got any questions, come on down, and we'll talk for a couple of moments. Other than that, have a great, great rest of the week.